Well, good morning, church. Merry Christmas to you all. I'm so glad that you're here to celebrate with us this Christmas season. And, um, you know, I, I, if you're just new to this congregation, maybe you're just checking out for the first time, or uh, maybe you've been coming a few times, I just got to say, this body of believers are, are remarkable. Um, I just love being with them. And what's the most amazing piece about it is the vision that we have casted for this congregation. We're about having people grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And we seek to have you, if you're new, join with us in that pursuit. And so that's why we have started this series called Making Room. Making room for Christ, making room for others. And today we're going to talk about making room for your enemies. But Andy really set us up a couple weeks ago and he talked about what making room is. And if you're maybe new or not familiar with that phrase, making room, what it looks like. And he gave this analogy that making room is kind of like what you did to this Christmas season. You went out, you bought that Christmas tree, and you bring it home, and guess what? You got to make some room. You got to fill it someplace in that room. So sometimes you move the furniture around. Um, if you're like our household, sometimes you have to actually move furniture away from off the walls or out. And that's the idea, is making room in your life. Maybe another example of what that kind of flesh out, that making room means looks like is if you're an athlete or you know athletes, Um, athletes have to not only practice and play their game, but they have to make time or room in their lives to condition. So they're lifting weights, they're doing, you know, activities to prepare them, not only for the game, but for practice. So they take time in their lives, make, you know, take that moment and just spend time fixing their bodies ready for the game. You know, another example, maybe a little closer to home is um, in your own life with friends. You make room for friends. To have a great friendship, it takes time. We all know that. you got to spend time with that friend. Um, or a marriage. If you want to have a great marriage, you know what? It takes work. It takes time. Or if you're a parent having children, <laughs> you're an Uber driver. You know it takes time. It definitely takes time. And why, why do we do that? Because we know it's important. We know it means something. And so this series that we are taking now, this last couple weeks, Making Room, has been a, you know, it's changed my heart as well and has opened my eyes. And in particular, we talked about making room for Christ, making room for others, making room for um, maybe a seeker in your life. Today we're going to talk about making room for your enemies. So before we start, because it's kind of a heavy subject, let's pray. Jesus, we just praise you and thank you for your word, your word is so good. Jesus, we uh, praise you for this Christmas season because, Lord, we know that you came to this earth to show us how to live. More than that, you came to save us. You went to that cross and died for us. And, Lord, we are excited to see you come back. So, Lord, let these words be spoken. Help us touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to kick it off with loving your enemies, and we're going to open to... uh, First passage, we're going to do two passages, Matthew 5, 43 through 48. So if you have your Bible app, go ahead and open those. Or there might be a Bible in front of you on the pews, grab one of those, and um, we're going to read that passage, and then we're going to go to Luke. All right, Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good 
He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, also be perfect. So then if you want to skip forward a little bit to Luke, we're going to read Luke 6, 27 through 31. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you, If anyone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. If anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. So these two passages, written by two different writers, um, were present at what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was going to, uh, came together and there's a large crowd of people and his disciples. And Jesus spent some time walking through a series of analogies and stories about how we live. And so the writers kind of talk about both of these in different ways. Um, but that's why we read them together because they actually kind of flesh out what Jesus was getting at in the Sermon on the Mount. And so there's a question as I was preparing for the sermon, as I was digging in, I, I started thinking about this. And the, question came to me is, could loving your enemy be less about your enemy, but more about your heart? I'll read that again. Could loving your enemy be less about your enemy, but more about your heart? Maybe another way of saying it that I think it hit home even further for me is, could how we love our enemy be a barometer of the condition of our heart? Again, Could how we love our enemy be a barometer of the condition of our heart? So as I thought about that question, I I decided to look up what the word barometer means. And um, the definition is read, an instrument measuring atmospheric pressure used especially in forecasting the weather and determining altitude. That determining altitude, you know, caught my eye and I started thinking about it. And I thought about a plane and a cockpit. And Phil, if you can throw up this picture here. You got a cockpit, and you can see there. There's all kinds of gauges and all kinds of instruments that are helping that pilot fly that plane correctly and safely. You want to flip the next one? Now, I'm a boat guy, and uh, I have to throw in a little boat picture here. This is the same similar thing. This is a picture of a helm of a boat, and you can see all kinds of instruments on there to help that pilot to navigate those dangerous waters through that, and they use those tools to navigate. And so I was thinking about the Sermon on the Mount, and as I was reading through it, and especially on this loving your enemies, I realized that Christ has given us these these snippets in our life as instruments or gauges or barometers of our heart. It's not necessarily what's happening, but what is leading to our heart. And so I want to really dig into the Luke passage and just talk about our enemies. Before I get into the, the actual verses, I want to kind of define what enemies looks like. Um, when I first thought, read, read this passage, you know, I quickly think about someone far, far away. But as you read this passage, you realize that, that those, those examples that Christ gave were probably a little bit closer than someone far away. They were maybe someone that you 
interact with at work. Maybe someone who's in your neighborhood or neighbor or your community. Um, it might be even someone in your own family that's an enemy. And as I thought about this and was chewing on it, I realized that, you know, if you, if you wake up in the morning and you start thinking about that individual or that situation that's difficult, or maybe you're driving someplace and your mind just can't, you just keep stewing about that situation, that problem, that person, that's probably an enemy. It's someone who is, you're struggling with. It's someone that maybe you need to, you know, think about more and, and spend some time dealing with it. So, so how do we respond to those situations, those enemies? Well, Jesus really kind of hit it right, he went right to our heart. And so in verse 28, if you want to take a look at it, It says, bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. So uh, a situation that I thought of, and I hadn't thought about it for quite a while, um, came to me, and basically there was a, a situation at work where there was another company that we were working with, and things went sideways. I don't even remember what it was about, but it, something just went bad. The individual on the other side called and left a message, and they were obviously upset and frustrated, and... Um, I'll be honest, guys, I, I ignored it. I didn't really want to deal with it. I just pushed that issue aside and said, ah, I'll wait, you know, that's not a big deal. And as I spent time, you know, after the event happened, I was realizing I started stewing on it, and I kept thinking about it, and it kept eating at me, and kept eating at me, and kept eating at me. And so I realized I had, to, I had to deal with it. And so what I had to do is I called the person up, and I first thing I did is I, I apologized. I said, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry. I... I should have called, I should have, first of all, called you right away. I should have dealt this right away. And second of all, you know, I'm sorry for what I did. Well, um, like I thought, that person didn't really care and just cursed me up and down, let, let, let me have it. Um, but when I hung up the phone that moment and I realized, um, you know, that burden was gone. That burden was gone. Because I realized that it was my pride that was holding me back. It was my pride. And so by calling that person and owning up my side of the situation, that pain went away. That situation decreased. I can't change what their perspective is. I can't change them, but I can change my heart. And so I think that blessing, apologizing when you really blow it, is a blessing to those who curse you. Another example here is verse 29. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. Well, I don't know about you, I haven't been slapped in a while, physically. I mean, although this high, and so my family's here, and maybe I deserve it at the time, but um, I haven't in a long time. So I was pondering this verse, what this means to us, and um, I realized that some of us probably run a situation where someone says something hurtful, something mean. Um, they might say it to your face, but we're good men, so and so what do we do? We, we talk bad about each other behind our backs, and guess what? We get to hear about it. Um, nowadays, we, we get to hear those posts on Facebook or social media about some comments someone made about you. And how do you respond? Do you respond like what my brother Bob would say? Do you grab that toothpaste and you squirt it out and just let it go, knowing that you can never come it back? No, that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, turn the other cheek. And as you dig into this little more, this barometer, this, this gauge of your heart, What's, what's, what's it say, really saying to you? Is, is it your reputation that matters more than your identity in Christ? If you're a believer in Christ, 
Your identity is in him. And so you have to stop and think for yourself, if you're a follower of Jesus, that maybe you're misaligned a little bit. Maybe your altitude is dropping and you're more concerned about yourself than your identity in Christ. Your eyes are gazing on you versus on Christ. So again, it's another example of an instrument that helps us gauge our heart. Where is our heart at? Another verse here, verse 30, says, Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Well, let's think about a situation where that, where I imagine some of you have gave somebody something that borrowed them, lent them some um, tool or some kind of object, and you waited and waited, and they never gave it back. Has that ever happened to you guys? And what's, what's their response? What, what do we usually do? We usually go to our friend and say, that dirty rat never gave me that thing back. Right? That's what we do. That's, let's, be, let's just be honest. Let's be our human nature. That's what we want to do. But what does Christ say here? He asks the question in a different way. Is your relationship with others less important? Or maybe you desire material things. Maybe the question is really, is it the thing that really bothers you, that you that material thing that you are holding on to, or is your relationship? So you got to ask that question. you got to dig a little deeper into your heart, and that gauge is how do we respond to that situation? In, back in Matthew, we read that first one, that first um, passage. It reads, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Commentators suggests that a better translation of perfect is mature. Be mature, therefore, as your heavenly Father is mature. As Christ followers, that's our goal as we go become more mature. Now, these are examples that I laid out that maybe you maybe didn't act so mature and you realize that your heart needs some work and that maybe the altitude of your life is tipping down and you need to start pulling back up. There's sometimes in life where you do the mature thing. You do the right thing. You treat that person well. And it doesn't go well. And I had a situation in my life where that happened, where um, there was someone at work there. Man, I did everything. I tried, tried to be mature. I, you know, pr- I even prayed for their soul. I mean, I really was trying to be, you know, handle this situation well. And it just wasn't working out. And I literally finally just went to prayer, and I said, Lord, change my heart. There's nothing I could do. I just change my heart. I can't change the situation. It's difficult. It's hard. I don't like dealing with it, but Lord, I know it's not about that person. It's not about me. It's about you, and so just change my heart, and so I prayed for that change, and what was amazing about it was he did change it. Over time, I spent less time thinking about that person, that situation, and pretty soon it wasn't a big deal. What was remarkable in the end, after several weeks and after my heart had changed, that person decided to take a different job and left. I didn't have to deal with them anymore. So that was pretty, it was pretty awesome. But, <laughs> but the main point was my heart was changed. No, Mike, it wasn't you. It wasn't you, Mike. Don't worry. The Inborg boys read out of John, John 3, 16 through 17. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. What's beautiful about this passage is, especially in loving your enemies, is that we don't have to carry the burden of condemning, being the judge, the jury, and the executioner of our enemies. We don't have to. That's not our burden. Our burden is to keep our eyes focused on him. Examine our hearts. Work on our hearts. And even what's more than this, this passage also highlights is the fact that Christ came down and gave us these words on how to live. He gave us those instruments, the Sermon on the Mount, how to live and how to react to a difficult and tough world. So this Christmas season, I can't help but celebrate the fact that Christ came for me. He came for you. Even though when I was an enemy to Christ, even though I hated God himself, he still came and came for me. He came for me. And he wants to come for you. So if you don't know Jesus, if you don't want to know a little more about him and you're, you want to check this out, and this, this is kind of different to you, and this is like, maybe I want to check this out, please don't hesitate to come talk to me, talk to my brother Andy here. We'd love to tell you about, more about Jesus because that's the hope we have, and that's what we celebrate this Advent season. So enjoy your families this Christmas. Enjoy celebrating what he's done and the fact that he's coming back for us again. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for these words. We thank you that um, you examine our hearts and know us. And Lord, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we blow it. We blow it sometimes. But you did not come to condemn us, but to save us. And you have given us that free gift of eternal life. Through the cross, you came and made a way for us in relation with you. So I just want to praise you and thank you for this gift. Help us remember this season, this Advent season, what you did. And we are looking forward for your return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.